You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters Podcast, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. Before we kick this episode off, a special thank you to our partners, Weave, the all-in-one patient communication and engagement platform, Fader Plugs, the world's first custom adjustable earplug, Redux, faster, drier, smarter, verified. Welcome back to another Hearing Matters podcast episode. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino, and joining us today is Wendy Davis, who is the Outreach Director of the Pennsylvania Assistive Technology Foundation. Wendy, it is so great to see you on the Hearing Matters podcast. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This is going to be fun. It's been a while since you and I have connected, and I believe the first time that we met was in 2017. At that time, you were working with Caption Call. Is that correct? That is correct. I was the account manager for Eastern Pennsylvania for Caption Call. Since then, you know, your career has shifted just a little bit. You are the outreach director of the Pennsylvania Assistive Technology Foundation. Wendy, what is this foundation? What are its goals? And what are all the services that you offer? Pennsylvania Assistive Technology Foundation, which we'll just call PATF for short, because otherwise it's a mouthful, right? We are a statewide nonprofit that helps people with disabilities and older Pennsylvanians to get the assistive technology that they need or want. And we say older Pennsylvanians because a lot of times people do not associate with having a disability that they just sort of think of it as, oh, it's just part of getting old. For example, hearing loss. A lot of people with hearing loss don't really think of that as having a disability. But for those people that are older Pennsylvanians or people with disabilities, you know, we help them to find funding to get assistive technology. And assistive technology includes everything from a wheelchair to a hearing aid to something more unusual like a fence so that a child with um, autism can safely play in their backyard. We use the federal definition of assistive technology, so we don't have a definitive list of assistive technology. So all someone needs to do is come to us and explain how an item can help them to live their life better. And we can qualify that as assistive technology and help them with finding funding sources um, to get that assistive technology. So uh, we know this technology can be really life-changing for people, and that's why we work one-on-one with people to get the funding they need in order to get that assistive technology. You know, frequently that's the biggest hurdle is finding the funds to get these great devices. So um, we have a funding guide that lists over 65 funding sources that are available for people to apply for grants. We also have loan capital. Um, We are the alternative finance program for the state of Pennsylvania, which is a federally authorized program. It was authorized under the Federal Assistive Technology Act. So we get loan capital from the federal government and the state So we can make financial loans to people if they need to spend their own money to purchase assistive technology. Um, So we have zero interest loans that go up to $7,000. And I think one of the things I mentioned to you is uh, the number one loan request for those mini loans is for hearing aids. And then for larger purchased items, um, we have the low interest loan, which is 3.75% interest with zero fees. A lot of times people are coming to us for loans 
for those those low interest loans for like adapted vehicles or home modifications. Um, and we provide those loans through partner banks. And the percentage rate on those is 3.75% interest. Uh, we actually work with the banks. We buy down the interest rate. So they're much more attractive rates than, you know, what you're going to get if you just go to a bank now. I mean, interest rates are going crazy right now. So in this way, we can make assistive technology more economical for people to get. Wendy, your work, what you're doing is absolutely life-changing. Right. I mean, what you're creating accessibility. You're ensuring that these patients have the tools that they need, whether it be the hearing technology or an adaptive vehicle. This is all, for lack of a better term, stuff that helps the patient on their journey. And to your point, especially with the hearing technology, it is that invisible disability. And for you and your team to bridge the gap between the inability to maybe afford the technology and then the end goal of increasing overall speech understanding and intelligibility is is absolutely amazing. So, Wendy, what is your role specifically. And for for the hearing healthcare providers tuned in right now, how can providers utilize this program for, you know, their patients who need hearing aids and may not have an insurance benefit or out-of-pocket funds for devices? We can help anybody in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, we help people of all ages, all income levels, all disabilities and health conditions, all communities, all cultural backgrounds. A lot of times people think that they make too much money, that they can possibly come to a nonprofit for assistance. And that's simply not a case. And all ages, from children through seniors, we can help with um, finding funds for assistive technology. Really, we work a lot with hearing instrument specialists and audiologists that refer their patients directly to us to apply for uh, grants or a loan to, to purchase the hearing aids. So um, I just, I always recommend to offices to keep brochures, to keep us in mind that we're a resource. I think the other thing that's really important to point out is our organization, all of our board members and staff, um, well, I should say the majority of our board members and staff are either individuals with disabilities or have immediate family members with disabilities. Our whole service is to provide assistance to people with disabilities. So we understand that people's finances are going to be messy if you have a disability. There are more costs, you know, healthcare costs. So we really work with people to figure out how we can help them in, to get their assistive technology. When applying for a financial loan, our criteria are much less strict than a traditional bank. Also, we can extend the terms of a loan. So typically, to, and correct me if I'm wrong, Blaze, but typically a hearing aid loan, if they apply for a financial loan, it's going to be like three years generally. We can extend a hearing aid loan to four years. So that will make the monthly payments a little bit less, a little bit more manageable for people. So they're not compromising. Do I make my monthly payment on my loan or do I buy my medication or do I put food on the table? So we really work with people to determine what they can afford and, and try to set the terms of the loan to something that is manageable and set them up for success. I'm loving this program, Wendy, and learning more about it from you and for Pennsylvanians. Of course, I grew up in Pennsylvania, originally from Pennsylvania, so this program is definitely near and dear to my heart. But also as a provider, there have been instances and situations where 
Patients cannot otherwise afford the technology. So what services are available out there to help these patients? And that is the problem that PATF absolutely solves. Yeah, exactly. If you think about a lot of people, the other thing is if they put hearing aids on a credit card, what's the interest rate right now on credit cards? So we really encourage people when it comes to purchasing their assistive technology, not to put it on a credit card, to come to us. Our phones are answered by our information and assistance specialists, and they can start working with the consumer to develop Mm. the roadmap to getting their assistive technology. And we're not, we're also not a resource of last resort. For example, OVR will cover hearing aids for qualified people. Uh, Unfortunately, over the pandemic, it was took seven to nine months to get hearing aids through OVR. A lot of times people can't wait that long. So people can decide, and we've had this happen frequently, that they don't want to jump through the hoops or go through that process that they need the hearing aids yesterday. And they can decide not to go through OVR and come to us directly. We don't require that people, you know, exhaust all other options. It's all consumer choice, consumer driven, and they can choose from whom they want to get their hearing aids. Um, we don't tell them they have to get multiple quotes. You know, there's no comparison shopping. They love you. They love your mom. Um, Cheryl, <laughs> yes. they want to work with Cheryl. We're fine. Cheryl's delightful. I miss, I miss visiting with your mom. So this is all consumer driven and they also don't need a diagnosis. And Wendy, when we talk about accessibility to hearing healthcare, this solves that problem. I also love that the board members understand what these patients are going through. And to your point, with the latency of being able to deliver the product and the service, PATF is so quick. And if you think about it, patients will often wait 10 years to address their hearing loss. So then if you tell them you need to wait X amount of months to get the hearing technology, that excitement has sort of dwindled off. Right. Because... You and I both know working with patients who present with hearing loss and you tell them you do have a hearing loss, hearing aids are a solution, and they're moving forward with hearing aids. They are so excited, Wendy, and that absolutely hits home to you. You recently shared some interesting news with my wife, Autumn. You know, you've worked with her as well at Audiology Services uh, with regard to hearing aid coverage from Medicaid for children diagnosed with Central Auditory Processing Disorder, or CAPD. Please tell us more about this. So this is a really interesting story. And I I was familiar with auditory processing disorder because I had looked at having one of our children tested for it years ago, 14 years ago. And the science was still really evolving on that. But obviously, with Fetterman's diagnosis of CAPD has become a high profile diagnosis right now. And uh, we had a family contact PATF. Uh, this is a family that lives out in central Pennsylvania near State College. They contacted us to get a loan to purchase hearing aids for their um, teenage son who was diagnosed with auditory processing disorder. Um, and he was diagnosed when he was in second grade. He had gotten hearing aids then. The family was not really properly trained on hearing aids, which being a parent of Two children diagnosed with hearing loss. You know, we always used to to joke, it's the gift that keeps on giving. 
there's always something with kids and hearing aids. There's always something, right? You know, you have to get new ear molds. They're, the kids are losing them, <laughs> breaking them, whatever. Yep. So um, when the uh, INA staff came to me and asked me about this, I said, why Why is this family not enrolled? Why is this their son not enrolled in Pennsylvania in medical access? He, he has a disability. He should be qualified. The hearing care professional with whom they were working told them that uh, medical access would not cover hearing aids for children with CAPD. And I was curious about that. So I started doing some research. And um, I actually, first person I work, reached out to was uh, Melissa Hawkins, who works for OVR. She is the director of the Office of Deaf and Hard of Hearing. And um, she got back to me and said that um, OVR will cover hearing aids for CAPD. There are some hoops you have to go through. It's not necessarily guaranteed for everybody, but it is possible. Um, and then I reached out to some audiologists that I know that actually work with children with um, auditory processing disorder, and they confirmed that they could get hearing aids dispensed under the medical access insurance. However, the therapy is not covered. So I thought that was really exciting because um, people are still really trying to figure out the best way to address that disorder. I've had phone calls from people in Las Vegas and different areas of the um, country because if they know my our children have hearing loss, they've called to get advice on what do you know about this disorder? What kind of therapies are out there? Our son, Stuart, goes to Westchester University and his roommate actually has auditory processing disorder. Now, he is not using hearing aids, but the university did provide accommodations for him. So he gets cart for his classes. So in a lot of ways, you know, the accommodations for central auditory processing disorder is similar to hearing loss. I really did that research because I wanted to understand when we have families call us in the future this is one of the jobs we do. We educate people to what they are qualified, where they should be able to um, get their assistive technology. So understanding what is covered under waiver programs, what's covered under Pennsylvania Medical Access, what's covered by OVR. We always like to provide people that information so they're fully aware of all the resources to which they are entitled. Absolutely. And Wendy, to to dovetail everything you're saying there, coming from private practice, my father specialized in, and specializes in central auditory processing. And we've helped many patients, children and adults who present with central auditory processing and have fit them with low gain hearing technology. Because again, we need to increase that signal to noise ratio, but it's that, that understanding piece for our listeners tuned in who may not know what central auditory processing is. And we're actually going to have uh, Dr. Alexander on the show, who is a, a very well-known audiologist in the hearing healthcare industry. I'm excited to share this program with her and her team because it's so important. There's, there's 26 million Americans who present with difficulty understanding speech in noisy situations, but have normal hearing. And central auditory processing, again, to your point, years ago, the research wasn't there, but we know today patients who present with CAPD need accommodations. We can fit them with that low gain hearing technology. And we found in our own clinic, Wendy, how much the technology helps. Wendy, when we talk about accessibility and 
if anyone is an advocate for accessibility, it is absolutely you. You've raised four incredible children. Two of them were hearing technology. You have been around the hearing healthcare industry for a long time. And we'll say the communication sciences industry. You previously worked at Caption Call, which is an incredible phone captioning system. And we recommended it to many patients in our office. Loved that cycle integration. It made life that much easier. What made you switch to working with PATF and what attracted you to this type of work? So it's interesting. It was actually my work with the hearing loss community. Um, I'm the entertainment chair for the Pennsylvania Walk for Hearing, which is um, the fundraising arm of the Hearing Loss Association of America. So I have a lot of friends that we work together on um, that walk. And one of my friends, Bob Schilling, served on the board of directors for PATF. And um, he was getting ready to move on. Uh, he had served on the board for a while and he was uh, wanting to try new things. And he recommended me as his replacement because on the PATF board, they like to have um, people representing different disabilities. So I was um, invited to join the board uh, really to look out for the interest to represent the voice of our uh, community of people with hearing loss. So I actually served on the PATF board for three years when one February night and they called me and they said, we love having you on the board, but we would really love to have you on staff. (laughs) So I was like, okay. I mean, it took me a few months to sort of process, you know, making the change. Um, They never had a marketing and outreach director before. So I saw this as a great opportunity to develop new strategic relationships and programs to promote PATF. I'd already been promoting PATF to the audiologist and hearing instrument specialists that I worked with. So it was easy to make that, you know, transition into uh, working for PATF. And I love that it's about advocating for people with disabilities, all disabilities. So it really expanded the community that I can assist, that I can help. Let's take a quick break. Running a private practice is challenging, and it's especially difficult if you're using a management software system that's out of date or doesn't really fit your needs. As a former private practice owner, I personally found Cycle to be such an incredible tool that is easy to use and is really in the best interest of my patients. Cycle provides you with industry-specific workflows and features for a smooth-running front office, and if you've been listening to the Hearing Matters podcast, you will know that I believe that the front office staff is really the most important position in a hearing care clinic. Learn more at Cycle com. That's S-Y-C-L-E dot com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. And just your, your overall experience, it's amazing how opportunities in life present themselves True. at the time in which you least expect it. Wendy, tell us about your family and your children's hearing loss journey and really how your advocacy and awareness has made a difference for them. Well, I think definitely working in the community has helped make networking connections for them, bring them opportunities. It was interesting. Our oldest son, Graham, does not have hearing loss. Um, so Graham is actually graduating this spring from St. Joseph's University, was University of the Sciences. 
um, with his degree in um, cell molecular biology. His research has actually been in um, neurodegenerative diseases, um, manipulating DNA. Uh, he likes to talk over my head, so I can't really tell you much about it. So when Caroline was born, we didn't really, you know, there was nothing obviously wrong with Caroline. And when she wasn't talking at age two, our our pediatrician said, oh, it's just second child syndrome. Older brother's doing all the talking for her. It really delayed us in investigating if there were any other issues. And we really, we did not get the diagnosis of her hearing loss until she was turning three. Um, and she has a moderate to profound hearing loss. So it really delayed her speech. I, she had like a handful of words. And partly, you know, we didn't know much about hearing loss. You know, she could hear some things. She could hear a dog bark. But it was really all that hearing loss that she has is outside of that speech banana. And that's why her speech wasn't developing. Um, so she got her first hearing aids when she was three. I'm so very proud of her. Um, she graduated from RIT with a degree in biomedical sciences and graduates this spring with her doctorate in occupational therapy. And it's really, it's exciting too for what she's bringing to the field because Caroline picked up ASL. She went to uh, Rochester Institute of Technology, which for any of your listeners that have children um, or know of children with hearing loss, they have the National Technical Institute for the Deaf. So they have about 1,200 deaf and hard of hearing students on campus. There's great support services. I think they are still the largest employer of like captionists and interpreters because they provide those services in classrooms for the students. And because there's so much, you know, ASL going on on campus, a lot of students pick it up. Caroline um, picked up ASL, um, actually took a course in ASL, like I think ASL 2. So she is quite proficient in, in American Sign Language. And she'll be able to, to work with patients who are deaf and communicate directly with them instead of going through an interpreter, which I is so much better for the patient to have that one-to-one relationship with an occupational therapist rather than, you know, working through an interpreter. So I'm excited about what she'll be able to do in her field, having that skill. Oh, we have twins. Clark, one of the twins was born with identical hearing loss to Caroline. He passed his newborn screening. And I know I've spoken to your parents about this, um, sort of threw us off, gave us a false sense of security because he passed that screening. But we were more in tune with some of the things that you might see with a child with hearing loss. Um, and we did do additional testing after I had to fight with my pediatrician. Hey, moms, <laughs> moms, step up to the plate. Yes. You got to advocate for your kids. Amen. Um, exactly. Because you know what's going on. They only see the child, you know, for little periods of time. And uh, so he got his first set of hearing aids when he was about seven months old. And of course, that difference, the speech development was very different between the two children. Because really that zero to three years is such a critical time for speech development in children you know, before they start speaking. Um, so Clark's speech developed a really normal time frame. And um, he is now at Rochester Institute of Technology working on his degree in biomedical engineering. Uh, as he puts it, he wants to make machines to help people. That's awesome. And then Stuart at, Stuart's at Westchester. He's uh, Stuart's at the uh, Clark's twin and he's graduating um, this winter with business and economics. 
major, but you know, the whole family is really involved in um, advocacy for people with hearing loss. Uh, we all volunteer at the Pennsylvania Walk for Hearing. So it's really become a, a, you know, our involvement in the community has really become a central theme that we all work on together. And hearing healthcare, Wendy, is community-based. Hearing loss hits home. You understand what children who present with hearing loss need. You understand the accommodations they need. And now working the work that you do with PATF, when these providers call and patients apply for the program, you understand the psychology of the hearing impaired. Correct. Right. And we also try to recommend other resources. I just did a webinar for the Greater Philadelphia Chapters of the HLAA. Uh, one of the programs that we have at PATF, it was funded by the Pennsylvania Developmental Disabilities Council, um, is our Smart Homes Made Simple program. We have a website, uh, smarthomesmadesimple.org, and our guide, Smart Homes Made Simple. And the webinar I did was talking about smart home technology as assistive technology for people with hearing loss. So we talked about some of those struggles and we, you know, we have them in our household. I know my dad passed away in January and a gentleman was trying to deliver flowers to our house. And I got a call on my phone. The poor guy had been outside. It's winter trying to deliver an orchid to us for 30 minutes, but no one heard the front doorbell. So, you know, a ring doorbell is great for people with hearing loss because you can get notifications or any smart, actually any smart home doorbell would work. Um, but you get notifications to your cell phone, you get a video display, great. So you get those notifications. And we're actually installing uh, Google Nest smoke detectors in our house because those will send notifications to your phone if there is a fire or carbon monoxide detected. So, you know, there's lots of different technology, smart home technology that can help people with hearing loss to live safer and be more aware of their environment. So now with Amazon, they have, we have the Amazon key set up. They actually deliver the packages into the garage. They can open and close the garage. We get a notification on our cell phones. You know, Amazon is opening the garage. Amazon has delivered package, doors closing. Um, so that's been another really great tool for our family. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us on the Hearing Matters podcast. If our listeners tuned in right now, because many of them are hearing care providers and also hearing aid users, where can they learn more about PATF? So uh, our website is patf.us. Our information about the financial loans is on that website. Um, people can download the loan application or they can actually fill out that loan application online. All of our guides that are, these are free resources that we've developed. People can uh, call us and ask for a free copy. We'll send them a copy for free um, or they can download as uh, PDF download and all of our documents are 508 compliant. And that means that they are accessible. Um, if someone also has vision issues and use a screen reader, a screen reader is able to read our documents. And then we, uh, they can always call us 484-674-0506. And I know that, you know, your listeners aren't necessarily confined to our state borders. 
but the PATF program is a federal program and we have listed on our website other alternative finance programs in other states. Every state may have an AFP. So if you actually reside in a different state, I invite you to go to our website and find that listing and contact the AFP designated for your state. You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. Today, we had Wendy Davis, who is the Outreach Director of the Pennsylvania Assistive Technology Foundation. To learn more about PATF, click the link in our show notes. And until next time, hear life's story. Thanks again for tuning into the Hearing Matters podcast today. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode, and what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also, head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team, we can continue to help our community hear life's story.